Welcome. You are listening to the Be A Better Being podcast hosted by Michelle Zellner and Sasha Bershide. Michelle and Sasha are here to give you information and inspiration to help you live your healthiest, happiest lives. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Welcome. Thank you for listening in to the Be A Better Being podcast. I'm Michelle Zellner, your host. And as Sasha is off doing something fabulous, I am joined by another very special guest, Nicolette Richardson, and we're going to give you a little background information on how we got connected, but hi, Nicolette. How are you? I'm so good. Hi, Michelle. Great to be here. It's so nice to see your face again. It's been a few years, but I've been stalking you on Instagram ever since we first connected. So I actually feel like I talk to you all the time. It's it's clearly a one-sided conversation, but you put out such great stuff on Instagram. And that's why I asked you to come on to just maybe share a little bit about your thoughts, your feelings, the things that you've gone through in your own life, because I think so many people struggle with the things you talk about or have, you know, gone through something or can relate to it in some way. And you always have really great words of wisdom, things to contemplate. So you and I got connected because you actually invited me to be a guest on your podcast, The Grown Up Millennial. And that's been, what was that in 2019? Yes. So hard to keep track these days. A little while ago. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So maybe we can just start out a little bit of that. Give us a little of your basic background, but then tell me about the podcast. Why? How did that start? What do you get from it? I'm even just curious to know more about that. Yeah. So thanks again. I don't always get to talk about how the podcast became a thing. And it really started out of an idea I had in like 2018. I had moved from Jamaica to Canada to do some studies. And I, for the first time, felt like out of my being because I just wasn't sure what to expect. Like I had visited Canada before and other countries before. Yes. But being there for years on end doing studies and like acclimatizing to this different life it felt like I was out of my depth so for the first time I started going to counseling and I felt like you know what maybe other people out there are feeling some kind of thing so I started recording podcast episodes on my phone for a thing I called at the time as the world turns just talking about different things and life And then because of how that was being received on my little blogger site, I was like, well, maybe this should be something else. And then I realized in the conversations I was having with my friends at the time that we were all going through the same thing. So even though I was in this different setting, feeling like I was a fish out of water, they were feeling the same kinds of things and weren't sure how to express it or what to say to other people. So I created the Grown Up Millennial in January 2019 just because It felt like an outlet. It felt like a place that I could release. And then I realized other folks were saying, oh, well, I also want to talk about these things. I also want to tap into these things. So it started out being a pillar of health, wealth, relationships. And then, of course, there's also that bucket of all the other things that we can't think about. So we also have a general tab there for everything else that we can't fit into those three categories. So it's blog posts and podcast episodes. And I really pride myself on chatting with what I would say is like the layman 
because it's very easy for you to think about like celebrities and want to hear what they have to say, but there's so much knowledge that we can get from each other. And there's so, so many of us doing so much great work that we don't know about. So when I connected with you, it felt like everything was getting right. Cause I, that was like one of the first few episodes. So I was like, okay, now I'm on a good trajectory. And then your podcast about good health, your episode, it also helped me to reframe some things I was doing and focus a bit more on health. And there's one blog post that got lots of views, like how often should I go to the doctor? And then I also started telling folks about standing a bit more because we had that conversation about standing and I feel very proud that I'm standing during this interview right now. Um, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's just those conversations. I just wanted to highlight those regular conversations that we have with other folks and how they can really change our lives. So that's really what I'm trying to, to get with uh, the Grown Millennial podcast. It's so wonderful. And I encourage everybody listening to this to follow Nicolette on Instagram the, at the Grown Up Millennial and listen to her podcast. Because, you know, you're right. There is no shortage of celebrity chatter. I don't really care what a celebrity has to say, quite honestly, because they have nothing to do with my real life. They live a very different life. Good for them. But there are so many more of us than there are of them. And you bring such a great element to it. So, you know, I'm a decent amount older than you are. And I love talking to the younger generations because while I've lived more years, we've all lived different years, right? And we've lived different lives and we have different degrees of knowledge and Mm -hmm. just a a different scope of what experiences we've had. And I learn so much from the youngsters that I get to talk to in my life. And I'm kind of cultivating this little pod of people who are younger than me. I don't have kids, so I'm going to be calling on all of you to be taking care of me when I'm old and decrepit. That's like my secret backstory that none of you know, but, but I guess you do now. But I, I think sometimes we can get sort of in a box about who we listen to and it has to be, you know, my age, or I have to be a female to listen to a female, I think we can learn so much by listening to everybody and listening to all different perspectives. And I'm going to say it out loud because I know some people are thinking of it to listen to people who have beautiful accents like you do. It Mm -hmm. makes things so much more interesting and a different perspective. And I think it opens up, you know, the, the mindset for us to continue to learn and grow. So Maybe you can go into a little bit of backstory. You grew up in Jamaica. Why, why Canada and where in Canada? And maybe walk through a little bit of that big journey that I'm, I'm sure you took to get to you know, where you are currently and what you're doing currently. Yeah. So I grew up in Jamaica, had a great life, Frank. It was pretty, pretty awesome. Did my master's degree, was working for this amazing non-government organization. I was doing some really great work. And you know, you're at that point where this is great. Like I, I like my life, but like I could be doing something else. Like I could have another experience. So my boyfriend at the time, no, my husband, we were having a conversation about like, just trying out living somewhere else. Like, what would that look like? And we landed on Canada because it seemed safe. I do have relatives in Canada. So we decided to, to study in Manitoba because we wanted to kind of be alone. So I did have relatives in like Ontario and Quebec that are kind of close by. So maybe four, two to four hours flight, depending on where they are. But we wanted to feel independent. So we decided to study there for two years and have that experience. 
it was interesting <laughs> because I learned a lot about myself in this process as I was going through school, but also the temperature change. Like we knew it was going to be a shock because Jamaica is pretty much always plus 30. Like it's always up 30 degrees Celsius. It's pretty hot pretty much all the time. And then when we got to Manitoba that first night, it was like 11 degrees. And like now it doesn't seem that cold, but then I felt like I was freezing. Like I was not prepared for this. <laughs> Quite a then, shock, I'm sure. Yeah. And then heading into winter, it was a lot. But I think it was an essential part, though, of my story and this process of growth because putting yourself literally, physically in situations of discomfort really does allow you to see other parts of yourself that you didn't know existed. So I don't think I would have been as critical, as open to therapy, as open to discussion, as much of a good listener, things like that, as I am now because of that very shocking experience. And I also had so many, I got so many great friends out of that experience too. So it was shocking, was weird for a few years, but definitely worth it. I love that. You know, I talk a lot about you have to get uncomfortable if you want to grow, get better. And yet we don't like to be uncomfortable. And that's why we don't do the hard work. And there's physical discomfort, there's mental, emotional discomfort. And it's even just, I imagine just leaving the safety, security, the familiarity of home and going not only out of home, but literally to another country. Yes, you have people that you knew there, but still, and you were going with somebody, which I think makes it easier or a more enjoyable experience, but it's still a really big step. And I know when I was growing up, I grew up in a very small town. And mm -hmm. I think because of my background, my mom being from, from the Netherlands, my dad growing up in upstate New York, but also him leaving home at a young age to go be in the Air Force. I think that's just innate, ingrained in my own family that we are wanderers, we go places, we don't nest and stay. And I think there is so much opportunity to seeing other things, not that there's anything wrong with staying where you are, but at least it being exposed to different things. And I remember my going back, I think it was my five-year reunion, and one of my classmates said, Michelle, I don't really understand why I have to go all these places. Like me and my kids, we have everything we need here right in Winnicani. And literally a piece of my soul died for his kids. I thought, oh my gosh, that is, that's tragic. Yeah. I think because Winnicani is 2,500 people. Now mm. it's probably a little bigger at this point, but <laughs> right. I mean, I, I think people should grow and go and explore and expand. And then if you want to come back, awesome. Mm -hmm. But at least you know what's out there. You have learned different things. You see a different perspective. And I love that, you know, people like you are taking those leaps. I did the same thing, went to Hawaii, which is not foreign and exotic, but in a lot of ways, it actually is. I'm a minority as a, a white girl in, in Hawaii. I'm a minority. So I got to experience what it's like to live as a minority. And that in itself opens you up to a whole different kind of perspective. So I love that story of growing through the discomfort, because I think that is a metaphor for what we all should be striving for in our lives. So you spent a couple years there, and then at some point you moved to British Columbia. Yes. Yeah. So take us on that, on that route. Uh, 
I feel like everything, <laughs> everything on this journey has been like, I didn't plan for this, but this just happened, which is weird because I am a big planner. Like I like to have everything planned out and I get upset or disappointed depending on the situation if it doesn't go as I planned it but being with with my spouse it's more like okay I have to learn to let things go because he's very spontaneous so we didn't plan to move to BC initially we had started thinking about moving to other places just because Manitoba is pretty cold and our parents are aging and they would never want to come to visit us in the Christmas time. So we were trying to think about some warmer places to move to. We thought about Ontario, still as cold, just more like easier to get to. So we just said, okay, BC seems warm. My husband had one trip. He had one layover in Vancouver. He's like, okay, we're going to move here. So I started applying to jobs hundreds of jobs like literally hundreds <laughs> got nothing back you know what was funny about this process is that when I actually got rejection letters it became a thing like we started laughing at it to say well at least someone's seeing my resume so yes I'm I'm not being called for an interview but that's fine and there were lots of no's but then we moved here we didn't move here we came here for a vacation with our parents just to kind of check out what was happening and I got a call back for an interview while on vacation. And then I was going to go back with my parents. We went back to Manitoba to wrap up their vacation. And then while we were there, they're like, oh, we'd like you to come back. Like, we are going to hire you. So I had two weeks to <laughs> resign from my job, pack up our lives in Manitoba, and then move here. Because by that time, my husband had already transferred with his company. So it was a stressful time. We had a lot of stuff. So <laughs> trying to move in two weeks was a lot, but we did it and we're here. A lot of our stories about being in this space have just been like, I'm not sure what happened, but it happened. And that's kind of how it goes. You have all these great plans, but life sometimes just kind of throws you a curveball and you just have to go with it. That is an understatement, my dear. Absolutely. <laughs> I, don't, I, I have yet to meet somebody whose life has gone exactly the way they planned it out. I haven't, I haven't met that person yet. And yet you seem to have a very different kind of personality from your spouse, right? He's very spontaneous. You're very structured. Somehow you make it work. Mm -hmm. So has he gotten a little more buttoned up? Have you loosened up a little bit? Like, how does that, how does that work? Yeah, it's been a learning curve for sure, because we knew going into this, that that's kind of how our personalities are. And I have had to let go a bit because I was very, it got to the point where it wasn't healthy for me to be doing this anymore because I would live so much in my head with these plans mm -hmm. that like I would not be engaging with what was happening in real life because I'm so focused on planning this thing for the future. So it was getting to a point where it's not helpful anymore. So take a step back. So I even decided to write less things on my to-do list, just put some five things on there time the day that way. So I, I don't have every single moment planned. So I do have some time for flexibility. He's been a little bit more <laughs> forthcoming with telling me about plans instead of just saying, okay, we're going to Mexico tomorrow, which has actually happened. <laughs> but yeah, so it's kind of both. I think I am able to 
get a bit more from him because I think sometimes my personality puts me in a box where I'm not able to enjoy things. So stepping away from that perfectly planned thing has been helpful for me. And in some ways he realizes that, okay, maybe I don't need to like press gas right away. Maybe I can pause and look at this thing first and then get into it. So we've definitely taken bits and pieces and some compromise there to to really help us along the way. I love that. And I think that is a key ingredient for a successful relationship is compromise, Mm -hmm. right? So it, and I know this about you because obviously I stalk you, but even just what you just said, you're very insightful with yourself. Has that, have you always been like that? Or is that something that's developed as you've gotten older and you've gone through experiences? Where did like this introspection and reflection and all of these things come from? You know, it's, it's funny because initially I wasn't like this. So I would be intuitive to other people. So I'll be very in tune to what my friends are thinking, to what my partners are thinking. And I always thought like, it was fine. Like everything, my life is okay. I don't have anything to think about. I'm fine. And then when I was in university in Jamaica, there was a call for us to go to counseling. And I was like, why? Like, I don't need to go to counseling. I am fine. I have this perfect life. And then I did the first two sessions because they were free. That's the only reason. And then I didn't go back. And then when I moved to Canada to go to school and it was kind of out of my depth and I went to therapy there, I was like, oh, well, maybe my life isn't as perfect as I thought. Maybe there are things that I needed to be talking about. And from then I realized I had been pushing things all the way back. Like I had been pushing things in the storage area of my brain and not going back to check on them. So I was pushing everything down and not dealing with it. And then not realizing that I was kind of lashing out in other ways that probably, it didn't seem like lashing out at first because I wasn't really raising my voice or anything, but that certain things I was doing was because of these things I wasn't dealing with. So being able to go through therapy and to figure out like, okay, I don't want you as a therapist. I want to try something else. And to be a little bit more intuitive and to do journaling and those times when I couldn't afford a therapist and to really think about those things that have allowed me to become who I am and how how I'm able to react to situations and why I react in these ways has been helpful. So therapy is a huge part of that. So I was not always this insightful. Well, that is just so much emotional growth and emotional intelligence that is blossoming. And it sounds like even your podcast is some version of therapy for you. Like it's therapeutic. Would you say that? I would say that. I feel like sometimes we shy away from sharing our opinions because we don't think people want to hear it or we don't think it's in line with what everyone else is saying. And that was a a big hurdle I had to get over to start the podcast. And I would encourage everyone listening to this, like to speak up because for a long time, I didn't like, I just, I was the person who would just go with the flow. Like, is the group doing this? Okay, I'll do this. I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to do anything that will disrupt the flow of things. But as you're doing this, you're losing bits and pieces of yourself because you're just going along with everything else. So it took me some time to kind of pause to say, I'm going to use my voice in this way, whether people listen or not. (laughs) And I'm going to share my experiences via this medium. And I think if you're doing something because you're passionate about it and also because like you want this point to be come, to come across even if it's not for any specific gain 
I think sometimes that will have more of an impact than you just doing something because you think it will give you more followers or more listens. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's such a great point, right? It's the authenticity. And in some ways, it's the courage to just say what you think, what you feel, regardless of what's going to come back your way. Because when you are being authentic and voicing things that are in alignment with what's actually going on, there's a good chance that there's a whole bunch of other people thinking and feeling those same things who have also been maybe afraid to speak up or feel like they're alone because nobody else is saying it. So I must be the only one. And sometimes that can be, that can be a catalyst for somebody to make a step to reach out for help or to even just feel like, okay, I'm not alone or I'm not weird or wow. Okay. This is actually something that other people go through as well. And I love that, you know, for you, your podcast, it is a passion project. I mean, you don't have, you're not selling a product, you don't have a coaching business, you don't have anything other than a voice and things to say, and people that you have great conversations with. And I think you're right that when there is no, you know, kind of financial gain or any kind of gain for it, other than fulfillment, which is a big deal, that sometimes can be even more powerful than if I was, you know, earning an income from it or climbing some kind of ladder because I'm doing it. So obviously you, you pay bills. So what do you do in your professional life? Let let me, let's get a little bit of information on that. Yeah. And I mean, even if you're doing something to make money, right, it has to come back to the passion piece of it. Like, are you doing this just for financial gain or are you doing this also because you're passionate about it? So it did take some time for me to kind of figure out my career footing. So my first degree is in media and communication. I thought I was going to be a lawyer. My parents wanted me to be a lawyer, but it was not in the cards. I worked in radio for a while as a sports reporter and I enjoyed it a little bit. But there was also a lot of sexism in sports journalism, and it was just too much. So I decided to leave, pursue a master's degree, and work with non-government organizations. The first job I had after that master's degree was amazing. I was working with Jamaica Aid Support for Life, one of the premier agencies in Jamaica, fighting for rights of people living with HIV, policies around that, and also just broader human rights advocacy. It was great work. It was amazing. And then in this space, when we came to Canada, it was like, okay, so what am I going to do now? I was also at the time a part-time lecturer at the university that I attended. So I kind of felt like I wanted to go back into education somehow. It took me a very long time (laughs) to get there. I did bounce around to a few nonprofit organizations and learned so much in doing that. And I felt along that journey that I was kind of taking on too many jobs at different times. So I felt unemployable because I felt like I was a job hopping and I was unsure of what that would do to my resume. And I was so unsure of continuing to move because I wasn't interested. But really, it just really helps you to have all these different skills, right? So you can pull from different jobs and different career paths if it's not your passion. So now I am more in a field of education. So that's great where I'm assisting prospective students as they're coming into university. So I'm a student recruiter. It's very weird to say that because it sounds like I'm pulling students into this school, but really I am just like a bridge. So if students are thinking about applying to university, we have some initial conversations about what that will look like and what their path will look like. And then we come up with some solutions. And I think 
I really enjoy it. Like I, I am doing some things from my background in nonprofits, but I'm also doing some things from media because we do have to do lots of public speaking. And then I'm also empowering students to make these decisions when I didn't have this kind of help when I was thinking about university. So it's really, it's really helpful and meaningful to me to do this work. I love it. It absolutely sounds like the perfect marriage of your skills, your talents, your passion, and you get to earn a living doing it. I mean, that is like, that's everybody's goal, right? That is, <laughs> that is, that's beautiful. And that's actually how we, I mean, we've been connected, at least it's been one-sided, but a little <laughs> bit of reconnection because I was actually doing a well-being training for the University of British Columbia. Yeah. And I did see this name that was familiar, but it didn't register with me. And then you sent me an email like, oh my gosh, Michelle, <laughs> I, was, I was on your training. So, yeah. you know, the world can be very, very, very small sometimes, mm-hmm. um, which I think is super cool. So... So the grown up millennial, let's, let's talk about that. Let's talk about just in general, your generation, as you are all now grown up, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think about you know, maybe some of the stigmas that are associated with your generation? What do you think your generation brings to the table? What are some things that even you can look at your generation and say, hmm, yeah, that's kind of us and uh, maybe not the greatest. Like, wh- what, do you, what do you think about that? I'm always curious about what generations think about themselves. Yeah, it's funny that when I was coming up with this name, I was thinking about a conversation I had with my uncle and he was saying that when he was younger, he wanted to grow up so much, but nobody told him that you would be an adult for the rest of your life. So I thought that was a good kind of thing to note that we never stop growing up. So we're always going to need resources and we're always going to need a listening ear as we're figuring out life. And initially, I thought we were given a raw deal. You know, this generation, we have been blamed for a lot of things, (laughs) for the death of some big box companies, for not being able to afford housing. But then on the other side, nobody was looking at the world we inherited. Like we, it was a, it's a pretty bad space, right? For most of us that graduated right after that 2008 recession, it's, it was a really weird world for us to be in. And I kind of didn't think about this until I read uh, Daniel Pink's book, When, because he's talking about, yes, you can have all this different kind of momentum, but when it happens is very essential to your growth. And I think we are just not able to have the kind of life that our parents had or want us to have. So like buying a home, it's absolutely ridiculous. The other day I found this YouTube channel just talking about homes in Jamaica and the prices. And now I'm addicted to it, just watching it and commenting on the prices because who is this home for? Mm -hmm. It's not for anybody in my generation. Like we probably have, and then we're seen as not being ambitious because we've been at home for so long, but we can't afford it. And even if we can afford living uh, on our own, we're going to be in this apartment maybe for several years because everything around us is so expensive. But I think another amazing thing though, even the or resilience from all this is also amazing. But the fact that we are kind of maneuvering into a space where we're caring a lot more about the environment and we're thinking about our footprints a bit more. So I found out that a lot with this generation that we're concerned about the earth. Hopefully it's not too late. (laughs) We're trying to encourage folks to do the right things. And one really great thing too, is that I think we're a little bit more concerned with our fellow man. We have been like fighting for those human rights. We are more active and ready to say something about something. 
it might not be always the greatest time. For example, like if you have boomers in the workplace, we might be a little bit more vocal and that might get us in a weird place. But I do appreciate this generation has been resilient. We have been very vocal. We are more climate conscious and really, really caring about community and connecting with others for sure. I love all that. And I I think from my perspective, your generation is the first one that really, really kind of normalized self-care because that wasn't a thing when I was growing up. You just, you just do your thing. You eat what mom and dad tell you to eat. You do your schoolwork, you do your extracurriculars, you, you know, you do what you're supposed to do and you're just, you just go through the process and, and this focus, because we do have, we know so much more, right? I mean, there are, we didn't have to focus on self-care because self-care was actually built into natural life. We moved our bodies all the time because that's what we did. We went outside and we played, we rode our bikes. We were, you know, we were, we were working in the fields, the farms, we had gardens, or we were playing out in the courtyard or something. Right. And now when there's technology and I don't have to do physical things, yeah. Then all of a sudden I'm not doing physical things. Mm-hmm. So to some degree, I think, you know, it's like everything else. There are ebbs and flows and we boomerang back around to certain things. And obviously because of what I do, I'm very passionate about getting people to take care of themselves. I think it's the most important thing you should be doing. And the fact that we even have worksite well-being, I mean, that wasn't a thing before, that never existed. You go to your job, you do your job. We don't care about how healthy you are or if you need a break, that's that's your problem. (laughs) But we know that if we're not healthy humans, we can't be healthy employees. So I really think your generation can take credit for a lot of that because in some ways you demand it, you follow through on it. Now, not always, certainly this is a, a grand, you know, generalization, obviously, but I think the more that we promote these ideas and the more modeling of that behavior. And it's going to start to have that generational effect then where this is normal and necessary to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So not just be healthy, happy employees, but good, significant others and children and stewards of the environment and all of that. Because I do believe that it starts with the idea that you belong here and you are here to do something productive in some way, whatever that is, and everybody can define that for themselves, however they want. And when you can figure that out, and then you live your life in alignment with that, that tends to start to really make things shift in a much grander way. And I think sometimes we feel like I'm just one person, I can't make a difference. So why bother? Yeah. And that's so true. <laughs> yeah. And I'd say your generation is is more of the thought that, oh, no, if a bunch of little people made a little difference, that would turn into a big difference. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think yeah. there's a lot to learn when we when we have conversations with other generations. So I hope other people are doing that as well. And I think it's it's so critical that you brought up that point, because our parents kind of taught us to kind of just work, keep your head down and not say anything. And we're pushing back to say, no, we're not going to do this. I saw a meme the other day that said millennials are not going to stay in a bad job. So like if I'm not having a good time, I'm not going to keep my head down for 10, 20, 30 years just because I want to like get that pension. No, I'm going to think about something else and do something else. And it's also really 
just really great when I see my friends parenting because we're able to pick up on those lessons, those things that our parents did that they probably didn't know better at the time and things that we're doing now. So we're talking a little bit more, right, to our kids and having conversations and explaining why you're being punished instead of just saying, do this, eat this, that's it. Because I said um, so. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I really love that shift. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. And uh, Nicolette, this is, as I knew it would be, this has been a super great conversation and I look forward to continue stalking you and seeing what, what pearls of wisdom you're putting out there. Let me ask you this. So, you know, it's the Be A Better Being podcast. So maybe give me a little peek into your, your regular daily life. What do you do to be a better being? Oh, so much. I'm trying to do so much. So I'm trying to eat a bit better because I've realized I did like a food journal thing a few months ago. And I realized that what I eat severely impacts how the rest of my day goes and how I feel and whether I have energy going through. Like sometimes you know these things, but seeing it on paper and feeling it as you're going through, it makes a difference. So I'm trying to eat the foods that make me feel better and not sluggish and like I want to do things I'm also being mindful of my connection with people because I think it's so easy for us to get lost on social media and all of a sudden texting turns into just Instagram DMs it turns into just sending memes so I'm being a bit more conscious about calling friends at least once a week just to have that telephone conversation maybe a video chat doesn't have to be very long and this is a lot out of my comfort zone because I would much rather text, but I realize that I do get a lift from hearing their voices as opposed to just sending them a text message. Uh, and then also making that some time to be with my partner and then also some time to be alone. I think as we're going through life and we're doing so many things, we forget about that alone time and how much that rejuvenation is important toward the rest of our days. So plugging in that what time to take a walk by yourself or do some meditation, do some yoga, maybe journal or read, take back your evenings is what I called mine. So maybe take an hour in the evenings that are just for you to kind of reflect on the day and prepare for the, for the next day while you're winding down before bed. And I did get a, a bit of that from your chat about sleep, Michelle, when you oh. were with uh, UBC, just as you're winding down for the day without your phone, focus on how you might want to show up for yourself the next day. That is beautiful. I love it. I, I just, I, I adore you. I'm going to continue to adore you. I appreciate you coming on here and sharing all of this with the listeners. And I hope that anybody listening, you are really taking all of this to heart because everything Nicolette said, it, clearly she, she even just said it again, it's out of my comfort zone. You have to get uncomfortable if you want to be better, if you want to learn, grow, have new opportunities. That requires a little bit of work and effort, and that's going to be uncomfortable. But if you don't do it, then you're going to choose to be stagnant. And a human actually doesn't like being stagnant. So thank you for coming on and sharing your time with us today, Nicolette. I appreciate you so much. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope whatever you do today, that part of your plan is to do something to be a better being. Hey, I am back. I have one quick announcement I want to make sure you all are aware of. Since Nicolette and I recorded that conversation, she released a really great book. For those of you watching on YouTube, you can see it right here. It's called The Years I Lived Inside. It's a compilation of her thoughts 
I will call it poetry because it is really beautiful, but it's a compilation of the thoughts and experiences that she was going through during COVID, the years she lived inside. I encourage all of you to get it. I think many of you will relate to a lot of what she has to say. And it really is comforting to know that you are not the only one that has had these thoughts or feelings or going through this kind of experience. So if you want to feel a sense of connection, especially maybe haven't completely sorted out your thoughts and feelings from the years we were living inside, I think this will be a really great way to get you thinking about that and maybe help you process through some of that challenging time so that you can step out and be living more fully in the present into a healthier, happier version of you. So check it out. The link to order it will be in the show notes, but you can also just go right onto Amazon and find it there. Thank you for listening to the Be A Better Being podcast. Michelle and Sasha hope that what you heard today inspires you to embrace this journey of life with an open mind, a kind heart, and a willingness to learn and evolve. If you enjoyed the content, please help spread their message by subscribing, sharing, and leaving a five-star review. If you have a show topic idea or would like to be a guest, please visit betterbeings.net and fill out a contact form. Until next time, go and be a better being.